Okay, welcome back to the Perspectives in Rural Education podcast. Today we have Randy Harpster with us, um, known to many as Coach Harpster, I'm sure. Um, And today I'm really excited for this conversation because we're hearing from the perspective of a PE teacher and a coach. And I think this is going to be an awesome conversation. And so welcome to the podcast. Please tell us who you are and kind of your background. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Coach Randy Harpster. And I've been, uh, I taught physical education and health at the Charleston Middle School for 28 years. And I am currently, the past five years, been teaching driver's education at at the high school. And I coached uh, seventh grade basketball for five years. And I coached 23 years at the eighth grade level. And then in high school, I've coached uh, varsity golf and uh, varsity, uh, varsity and JV basketball. Um, since I've been here at the high school and it's been a great experience. We, uh, at bat, it, when I coached in eighth grade, we won a state championship in basketball and we were one of the smaller double A schools because this is a two class system back then. Mm-hmm. And we went 25 and 0 and won the state championship. Wow. There. And then, uh, in 2018 and 19, we were the state champions in boys golf. And uh, my three best players um, are all Easterns, three of Eastern's best players, uh, Ben, cool. Keegan Gowan, and Preston Smith. And those three are all really good players for Easterns. So it's been an exciting ride that way as well. That's awesome. Um, before we get into the coaching side of it, I want to hear why you initially decided to go into teaching or the field of education. Well, this is a kind of a crazy story. I, uh, I went to college to, uh, to play baseball. I played at Lakeland under the legendary Gene Creek at Lakeland and then uh, went on to play at uh, Trevecca in Nashville, Tennessee, and had a really nice baseball career. And uh, I was supposed to get drafted. I, I had a chance to sign out of high school with Pittsburgh and then uh, didn't because I was going to be a late round draft pick. And then uh, after my senior year in college, uh, had another opportunity and that kind of fell through. And so, you know, I went, uh, I would, I never thought I would be a teacher. And, uh, I started working for my dad out at the gas business. And I'm like, this isn't for me. I, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. So I actually went to Eastern. I had my degree, but I wasn't teacher certified. So I went to Eastern, I got teacher certified. And then I, uh, I started out, as a part-time teacher teaching PE and working up at a gym at Saw's gym up on the square in Charleston. And, um, then I worked my way into a full-time position and 34 years later, I'm, uh, I've been a, a teacher here in our school district. So it didn't, it wasn't my first plan. It wasn't what I wanted to do at first, but I'm really glad I did now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was very fortunate enough to have great teachers when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I did look up to my teachers and uh, very fortunate to have all the way through. Eastern had phenomenal teachers, uh, both in the undergrad and the master's program that I went through there. And I, they, they were re- very influential in my deciding to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I give Eastern a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. And so you were this great baseball player, but you coached basketball and golf, right? Yeah, and I also coached high school baseball. I forgot okay, about okay, okay, twelve years, but yeah, I I would never would basketball was probably my worst sport. 
I, you know, I was okay. I was kind of an average player and, uh, but I, I just uh, fell in love with the game and I, I talked to, I got, what I'd do is I'd go out and talk to people that knew a lot more than me and just mm-hmm. brains and pick their brains and um, just numerous great coaches out there. Uh, it really started with Bob Knight um, and, and Steve Simons, a Charleston high school varsity coach rec- got me to I introduced me to Bob Knight. And then I talked with, talked with Tom Israel and Bruce Weber and Bill Self and Lon Kruger and the list goes on and on of coaches that, that I've been around and learned from and as well as great high school coaches that I spent a lot of time talking to as well. Yeah. That's funny you say that because I feel like the quote, the be- like the best players aren't always the best coaches. I hear that all the time. And like, do you think that's true? I, I do. I think sometimes when I was coaching baseball, I looked at my kids like, why can't you make that play? Why can't mm-hmm. you get that backhand? Why can't you why, why are we striking out here? You know, things like that. And, and in basketball, I think I had to just, I had to work a lot harder and I had to start from the basics and work up Whereas when I was coaching baseball, I just expected them to know how to do a double cutoff. Yeah. Well, I didn't break things down as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was as good a baseball coach because of that. I think that's, a, that's a very good point you made. That's so interesting. Sorry I mean, that. that makes, that makes sense. Um, so, so in two, 2000, right was when you won the yeah the state basketball championship yeah we so went, tell I want to hear about just that season and um I don't know that team I love hearing sports stories don't I mean don't well, we all of course th- this one was crazy I'll, I'll tell you what these kids uh these kids cared more about each other these kids were more mature than their parents were their parents came to the games with their faces all painted and everything and the kids they were so that all they could do is think about their teammates first and themselves second. Um, they didn't care who made the basket every time down the floor. They they worried more about their defense and their rebounding and getting deflections and taking charge. We took 57 charges in 25 games, and we we won the state championship by 16 points. Wow. And it, we played Lockport Homer from Chicago. We played Grace Lake from Chicago that year. Uh, we played a, Deca- a really good Decatur team as well as uh, I can't remember if Cahokia worked because we went to state eight times, which eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade, we had some really good teams, but I, I, the other team might've been an East St. Louis team. I just can't remember. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun that year Mm -hmm. because kids were so unselfish. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't make excuses. They never made excuses. And they, it makes a huge difference. I've never, seen a group of kids play with that much heart and desire and competitiveness, but yet still put their teammates first. Mm-hmm. I had it's, to bench my point guard that year during the game because we, they were, the other team was playing as five on four. He refused to shoot. And I took him out. I said, when you're ready to do it my way, I'll put you back in. Stubborn <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Then he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, coach, I'm ready to go back in. And he goes back and hit three, hits three straight shots. Wow. And, it just, you know. Yeah. I, I love what you said about the unselfish piece because um, have you been watching the March Madness tournament? I'm sure you've been oh, watching it. Oh, yeah. Yes. And St. Peter's, I, I was kind of reading up on their coach and because they're they're good. Like I was very yes, impressed when are. I watched them. And I was reading up on their on their coach and in an interview, he was saying that um, his his philosophy is like this unselfish um, 
this unselfish team. And he said, you know, a lot of my players come off the bench and they score a lot of points and they're fine with coming off the bench. They don't start. And I was just like, wow, like, I feel like you don't hear about that a lot anymore. Like so many, I think so many players and so many kids are wrapped up in the starting five position. And, um, just that, that unselfish mentality, you know, goes a long way. And, and I think your, your story of that team proves that. And I, and I tried to use that story every year that I coached. And I tried to make, as a coach, I always tried to make the little things the most important. Mm-hmm. And even threatened several times when I had teams that were a little selfish, I threatened to not put individual scoring in the paper or online yeah. or whatever nowadays. Mm-hmm. I put the deflections, the rebounds, the assists, mm-hmm. the charges taken, the 50-50 balls, all the little things. Yeah. And that's what's made us successful over the years. And and I didn't say this, but that's what helped, I think, get me as a coach into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Illinois Basketball Coach Association Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I think that's because of the unselfishness of my kids. And the ones that wanted to be selfish didn't get to play very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they learned pretty quick that it's not the way coach wants us to play. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. I think that's so true. It's funny you say that because I have that pulled up right here that you're in the Hall of Fame and you're probably too humble to say this, but you have had more than 400 wins in 28 years of coaching. And I mean, you were inducted in 2017, so it's probably increased since then. But I think that that's awesome. And I would love to hear like what has made you so successful? I think number one, I've had really good influences. I played for great coaches. Um, I, uh, I played, I had great teammates and the parents, when I was growing up, they cared about every kid. Mm-hmm. Every single kid was important and didn't matter if they were a starter or if they were the manager, mm-hmm. every single one of our players was important and the parents cheered for every kid. Yeah. And I'm not going to say with my teams, that's been always been not the case, but I'm seeing a difference in trend. I'm seeing more me, 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 I, 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 uh, it's all about my kid mm-hmm. being more of that kind of stuff that I did not see years ago when I yeah. first coaching, it was all about the team. It right. wasn't a travel ball team. I play on, I, I, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, what can, what's, it's all about me. It's all, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's definitely hurting sports. It's not helping sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that's an important, an important thing to talk about, especially I think for, for coaches, like parents and their kids and, and I think like attitudes and I mean, you could go and do a whole thing, but it, it makes the game less fun for referees for coaches, yes. for players, like all around, it, it hurts the sport. I agree. Um, I'm curious, what's your encouragement to people who, who want to coach? Or I think, I think if you had any success in sports growing up, a piece of you always wants to like coach because, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be around the sport. It's fun to um, be a part of it. And so what would you say to people who are interested in coaching? I would say do it. It is, it can be, it's one of the most rewarding things and teaching the same way. Mm-hmm. If you're teaching PE, you're teaching health, you're teaching uh, driver's ed, whatever you're teaching, um, math, science, English, arts, whatever, yeah. uh, everything. It's watching a kid go from, I can't do this 
to I love this. And probably the greatest story I have in teaching was I had this girl and she she had some uh, physical and a little bit of mental disabilities. She wasn't extreme either way. But uh, when she came into PE in seventh grade, she basically told me she hated PE and wasn't going to do anything. By the end of the year, she just continued to improve every throughout every unit we did. She had, she should get more and more and more and more success. And the smile on her face got bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the end of the year, this almost gives me chills, but at the end of the year, she hit a home run. It was a rainy day and she hit a, a wiffle ball over a wall in the gym, which was an automatic home run. She circles the bases. She's got her hands in the air She's going crazy. The team's going crazy. Everybody's going crazy. She circles, hits home plate, runs out to the pitcher's mound because I was pitching, jumps in my arms, gives me the biggest hug, and says, I love PE. Thank you. And it was just unbelievable story. And the rest started clapping, and it was it was awesome. That it, is awesome. It, it, and if you, if you don't want to teach after that, then there's something wrong with you. You know, I'm – there's so many, and that's just, that's just, I could give you examples all night long of mm-hmm. things that happened in teaching that come back later, years later, kids come back and tell you how much they appreciate what you did for them, mm-hmm. whether it be through respect, discipline, hard work, work ethic, you know, just, just everything, you know, mm-hmm. so. Definitely. That's awesome. I love that story so much, especially <laughs> because I think you know, coaching, you're coaching a lot of kids that have a lot of interest and, and enjoyment in sports, but the PE side, you have a lot of kids that probably don't love PE or don't right. look forward to it. And so I think that's <laughs> such an awesome story. Um, something I'm trying to do with this podcast is um, just expose people to perspectives of, of real teachers and real administrators that are really working in the schools right now. Because I think with COVID, there's a lot of misunderstanding and, and even just you know, we don't have a lot of insight into other people's careers. We don't go through, go about day-to-day life with them um, or see the things they see. And so I think with PE teachers, especially there, there's a huge underappreciation for what they do. And I would love to hear you talk about, you know, why is PE important? And what do you think are like the misconceptions or misperceptions that people have about PE teachers that aren't necessarily true? Well, I think some people think that that teachers just throw out the ball and and let them play. But when I taught, I every lesson that I taught, I try I tried to break it down into baby steps and work up into the skills. And we we really we would start with lead up games and we would work our way up through. Uh, and and we would we we only played real games maybe the last uh, three, four, five, six days of the unit, depending on what unit we were in. We would work on the skills and and uh, then we had rookie leagues and advanced leagues. We didn't just have the best player go out there and beat up on a, a kid that's not as talented athletically. So we tried to have leagues for every kind of kid. And sometimes we had had even three and four and five different leagues, you know, so that everybody felt important in every league, you know, and they were playing people their own ability level. And I found that to be very successful. And making them feel a part of the team, even if, even if they weren't as good, they were playing in the Super Bowl too. Mm-hmm. You know? they, so they love that, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever sport or whatever we were doing. I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness is so important. Uh, it's and, and doing it for a lifetime, 
Mm-hmm. I tried to get kids fitness without them knowing they were getting it. Yeah. Playing games like California kickball or uh, different kind of relay games or just things to make it fun that they were playing that they didn't even know they were they were doing. And then they'd be when they were done, they're like worn out. Mm-hmm. We had introduced skating units in PE. We had yeah. dance units where they designed their own dances. <laughs> I have so many kicks or so many line changes and formation changes. And and they had to have group work and partner work and stunts. And I remember this one kid that was totally against being in dance. And I put him with a girl that that he I knew he liked. And she he put he he liked fishing. So she threw a, a rod, she threw a fake rod and reel out into a pond, caught him and spun him in. And he did a worm and like he's a fish coming back into her. You know? And she didn't exercise doing it. And he was loving it. So there's a button for every kid. Mm-hmm. Every kid has one. Sometimes you find it the first day of the class, sometimes the middle of the class, sometimes by the end of the class. You find that button and that kid and you help that kid. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a challenge and it's fun for a teacher and it's hopefully the kid gets it sooner or later, finds that button, you know, and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is so funny. That's so (laughs) true. And, and I was thinking about like, there's, there's so much hard work and knowledge and planning that goes into both being a PE teacher and coaching. And I don't think a lot of people see that, but I also put like motivating people, like you have to motivate kids in PE and in coaching. And I think that's a huge piece. That's really challenging too. I found the number one thing. And when I taught PE is if I could get the girls loving PE, then it was easy. You know, <laughs> girls, that girls that we would do a football unit and I'd have them in a three point stance and they'd fire out and, yell you know they get into it and they growl and you know they and and they, they had fun with it and I, girls throwing touch uh, when I taught when I taught like a co-ed class which is what we had to do then and what I do is I'd have it had to be a, a girl play at least every other play a girl had to run with it throw it or have it thrown to her mm-hmm. they tan it off and give it back to a boy and do a flea flicker that wasn't acceptable <laughs> a girl had to be directly involved mm-hmm. every other play and then I, I did that. And then the, the last week I would do the unit, then I would have like the girls playing against girls and boys playing against boys. So I've kind of tried to mix it up. Mm-hmm. It's fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. Once girls start scoring touchdowns and making passes and doing things and you've got them. Mm-hmm. Then we, we'd have class competitions and my girls would always be real intense. And, <laughs> and the boys, you got them most of the time. Yeah. In eighth grade. They love PE in seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Most do. Mm-hmm. There's people that don't. But that is so funny, though. If you've got the girls, you won. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Is there something like a funny thing that happened or like um, something like you'll always laugh about when you think about it? Oh, there's so many. I don't even know where to, where would I even start. Um, well, I know I, I taught with uh, a lot of really great lady PE teachers, but there was this one in particular, uh, Mrs. Kimbrough. And she was, uh, she was not nearly as competitive as I was, but she was uh, a really good teacher. And so I remember one time we were, we were playing a game and, and I changed the score every once in a while to make my team win it. My team wasn't as good as hers was that period. And at the end of the period, it had us winning. And so she was getting so fired up. And I thought, I thought you weren't competitive. 
and the kid, her class was cheering real loud. And my class was getting mad. And so I had another kid helping me keep the, the score, the accurate score. So we let it go. And then, and when we come back out of the locker room, we put it back on the right score. And so my kids are like, coach has said we lost. I said, you did. <laughs> so Mrs. Kimbrough's up there pumping her fit and getting excited. And it was just pretty funny. That is and, so funny. So we, we really, we would, we would purposely, you know, joke with each other about our class being better than the other class. And all it did was motivate our kids. Yeah. And it, we had a lot of fun with that too. And they would try so much harder because they wanted to be the other class. <laughs> so. That is so funny. The competitive spirit. It's the best. Um, and so I want to hear about two things. One, you were a golf coach. And so, I mean, what, what does a golf coach do? I definitely am not a golfer. And so, um, I would love to hear like, what does a golf coach do? And then I also know that your daughter has had a lot of success with golf. And so what has that meant to you? Okay. First question, uh, golf coaching is, um, I think you have to do a lot of competitive drills. Everything we did involved competition. It was one-on-one, it was two-on-two, three-on-three. Sometimes it was one-on-three, one-on-four. Every every drill we did, um, like we do a lag putting drill, and that's where you're a long way from the hole, and you have to putt it. And no matter where it ends up, you have to take your club, put it down, move it back one club length, and try it again until you get it in the hole. Mm -hmm. So we tried to make the drill harder than the actual game was going to be. And then we'd go out on the course and we'd play just a chipping and put, chipping and putting game. You had to call it an up and down game. And there'd be four of you. And if you got first place, you get three points. If you get second place, you get two and so on and so forth all the way down. And so we would, and, and the, you get a one, you get a, each person will get a pick where you hit from on that hole and you'd hit from four different spots. And then you go to the next hole and do the same thing. And then sometimes we'd play on the driving range. We'd play games where if you hit it left, it's out of bounds or there's water. So you can't hit it left on the driving range or you can't hit it right on the driving range. So you had to look where you wanted to hit it and hit it at that direction. So then when we got on the course, everything got easier because you got fairway. So I tried to always, and I did the same thing with basketball. Um, I would always try to, I'd always had five assistants from Eastern They'd be helping me coach. And so my point guard would go against an Eastern kid full court one-on-one for five minutes every day in practice or they, you know, things like that. I always tried to make everything harder than the game. Mm -hmm. My kids love that. Mm -hmm. End up loving that. And then when they play against kids their own age, it was easier. Same way in golf. You know, we always try to just say, Hey, you got to beat this today. You got to beat that today. Whatever we were doing, sometimes it was team competition and sometimes, like I said, it was one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. We played big tournaments for putting. Um, we would uh, just anything we could do to make it competitive. Mm-hmm. And my kids were that one state two years in a row were tireless workers. Um, I'd get word that they were out there underneath the lights at 10 o'clock at night. And I drove out and checked on them, and there they were. They would be out there putting and chipping. And they would come early. They would stay late. They were the hardest working group of kids I've ever been around. Wow. They just, and they're all doing very well. And then the second part of your question is about my daughter. Um, when she was a little kid, I used to take her out to a, to the golf course in a car seat and she would watch me hit shots. And then when she was, could stand up, we had plastic clubs in her hands. And then 
you know, I, I, I always had her around sports and my wife did too. And, and she played five sports in middle school, went to state in four of the five sports. And then in high school, she played three and then she got hurt with her knee and went down to two sports, softball. And, uh, and she started out with basketball, softball and golf. And then she had knee surgery and ended up going down to just one mm-hmm. senior year. COVID kind of messed up her junior year. And so now she's playing golf in college at Illinois College and loving it. And that's awesome. Great time and going to be a nurse and looking forward to. I just love watching her. I get more nervous watching her play sports than I ever did me playing sports. <laughs> that's I've funny. Been banned, I've been banned from the golf course because <laughs> my looks and my hand, my gestures and my facial expressions and my turnarounds. And I don't even know I'm doing it. <laughs> so her senior year, I was banned half the season (laughs) she banned me from the course and then I got to come back for senior night and her regional and sectional and that kind of thing so that is so funny but being a coach's kid's not always easy yeah you know she's you know (laughs) I've I've been probably a a worse parent than because of that you know I (laughs) I how does she take your critiques like if you you know after after like, what do you call it? A golf match? Or yeah. A game? yeah. Or it's a, a tournament or a golf match, depending okay. on. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly so after, right. Okay. I didn't know the terminology. No, you're right um, on. But after that, if you gave her critiques or something, like when how would she, she was, respond? When she was younger, she took it much better. When she got <laughs> up into high school, uh, she didn't like any of it. So I had to step back and let the other coaches coach her and not me. Mm-hmm. And it was probably better that way. <laughs> That's so both, funny. Both got along better that way when, when I wasn't coaching. Yeah. So. It's funny because my my dad was never a coach, but he probably thinks he is. And he would always <laughs> t- tell me things after basketball games. And I, the older I got, I was just like, I do not want to hear what you have to say. And now my younger brothers are getting older. And as soon as he starts to say something, they're like, nope, not listening. <laughs> and so I was curious how that went since you are a coach. Yeah, no, you're exactly, that's exactly right. That is funny. People think, oh, it's great to be a coach's kid, but mm, probably not so great. (laughs) That is funny. Well, that's awesome, (laughs) though, that she has been successful with it and um, is enjoying it. Like, that's huge, I feel like, because sometimes, sometimes people are playing things for so long that they stop enjoying them. And she has a college coach that's a lot better coach than me. (laughs) That makes it really easy for me just to mm-hmm. stay out of the picture. And I try to stay back as far away as I can and not get too close and and try not to say a word and try not to shake my head or anything. <laughs> that shot, I just <laughs> grin and bear it, you know, <laughs> you know, that is funny. Yeah. Um, something else I was going to ask you about is driver's ed. So you've recently kind of recently started teaching driver's ed and what has yeah. that been like or um you know teaching kids to drive that's a big responsibility and so what it has is. that and been you know, like that's awesome that you said the word responsibility that is the first word we put on the on the uh on the board up here behind me um that's the very first word we put up there and uh yes it is wet i have days that i go through it's like man i'm getting paid for this this is so easy i can't believe i'm getting paid for it they're such good listeners They've already had experience. They're farm kids. They drive race cars. They, uh, they're athletes that have really good coordination or they're kids that have played video games and they're really good with that video. 
and they're pretty, they end up being pretty good drivers. So you got a lot of variety, a lot of differences. And, but then you got that kid that's, that doesn't, that comes up to you the first day and says, coach, can I talk to you out in the hallway? I had a couple of girls do this several times and I've had boys do it too, where they said, Hey, which one's the gas pedal? Is that the long skinny one or short fat one? And I'm like, well, you got Mr. Oakley or you got Mr. Miller or whatever. And they're like, no, we got you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but it all works out. You know, you get them, get them out, you know, have kids that don't know their right from their left. That's, scary. you know, we're going to come up here and take a right. And we turn left and, and head out right in directly into two lanes of traffic on Lincoln. And I've got to grab the wheel and move us over and over and at a right signal. And I think we're going right. And we go directly left. And then I see my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> But it's it's such a rewarding thing to see a kid that go that can't go for a, in a straight line five miles an hour and can't start and can't stop. You know, they about throw you through the windshield and then jerk you back. And, and by the end, they're on the interstate, changing lanes on the interstate, going 70 miles an hour. And they're switching lanes on Lincoln and they're doing unbelievable. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. But it's not just me. It's their parents. It's uh them it's all the other kids on all the other people on the road it's everybody having to work together through this and and the parents in at this school are, are amazing they work with their kids very well you know I'd say 90 some percent now some parents want me to take all the heat at first and get them there then they'll start driving with them which is fine but uh and then there's others that start working right away on whatever we teach that lesson that's what you're going to go show your parents you learn and that's what you're going to do Mm-hmm. And great job that way too. So mm-hmm. all works out. It's, it's, uh, uh, I had a great person to work under here and with when I first started, uh, Mr. Jeff Miller, coach Miller, uh, amazing teacher, great teacher, great coach. Um, and I learned a ton from him mm-hmm. as well as having great people at Eastern. When I, back when Eastern had their program, mm-hmm. I had great teachers there too. That is so interesting to hear about because, I mean, I only have the perspective of going through a driver's ed class in high school and then my own driver's ed partner. Um, But like (laughs) outside of that, I have no experience. So that's really interesting. I don't want to keep you too long here, but I guess as we wrap up, what what have you loved the most about teaching and coaching? I think just seeing kids improve, just the improvement, just there's nothing more meaningful to you as a teacher and a coach than to watch a kid go from not being able to do a skill or a task, whatever it is, to watching them just blow you away with their, you know, your expectations. You think your expectations high and then they blow that away too. And you're like, Oh, that's wow. cool. That's you know, awesome. And, and the parents deserve tons of credit for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and the kid, because they're working with that kid too. Definitely I really appreciate that. And I love it's 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 all about the kids watching them improve it. That's the most meaningful thing. The money, yeah. the money's nothing compared to that, you yeah. know, and it's just yeah. no amount of money would be worth that, that. Yeah, definitely. And so you're coming up on retirement, right? Do you retire? In yes. May? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And 40, so what are, what are you looking for? 42 more days. 42 <laughs> not more that days. Oh not my that goodness. I'm counting or anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost there. And so as you look forward in, into retirement, what are you excited for? I'm sure lots of golf tournaments and matches. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch my daughter play a lot of golf and, 
I'm, I, I have a lot of hobbies. I like, I love to play golf myself. Uh, I love to, I like to uh, shoot guns, shoot ta- target shooting. Mm-hmm. I'm into that uh, the last few years. And, and uh, I'm even looking forward to going out and maybe doing some hunting and, and more fishing. Uh, I did when I was a kid, when I was young and when you're coach, you don't really get much of an opportunity to do some of those things. And, and, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be a new, new world, but uh, I like woodworking. I've never, I haven't had a chance to do much of that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, just a lot of things that that's, you know, a lot of house projects need to be done. (laughs) Kind of been left behind for 34 years or whatever, um, that's awesome. But big thing is going out and spending time with my wife and my daughter. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Definitely. And do you have a piece of advice that maybe, um, you've always operated under while teaching and coaching, or do you have a piece of advice for others? I think the best thing I can do is as a young teacher, respect your students, show your students right away how much you care about them. If you want respect, you got to give respect. Mm-hmm. I think some teachers, when they first come in, they got to show I'm almighty. I'm all this. I'm all that. It's all about me. And we're going to do it my way. And, 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 and really, I think if you can, you can show a kid how much you really care about them, they'll do anything for you mm-hmm. and just explain to them, you know, Hey, this is a, this is for your benefit. This is yeah. about you. Yeah. I want to you succeed mm-hmm. and you can get that across to them and, and every kid's got different buttons and you can't treat every kid, you know, the rules are rules. Yes. But you got to treat every kid. You got to find their button and you got to work with that particularly. You got to find out what they like, what they don't like, and gotta get to know your students. Mm-hmm. But, and Definitely. if you can talk to them in their own language, you know, you can, they can go a long way with yeah. that. Yeah. That is so true. You know? Okay, well, thank you so much for being on this. I think this is going to be awesome. I, it's funny because I was talking to Dr. Reed and we were kind of brainstorming. And I was like, you know, it's been really fun to hear from perspectives of like, um, I heard from Elena Singleton and she's going into art and she wants to be an art teacher. And then Kathy Clark, who taught at Charleston for many years. As an amazing an F- teacher. As an amazing FCS teacher. teacher. And I just think it's so fun to hear about, you know, everybody growing up had these teachers and had these teachers that made a huge difference in their lives. Um, but we don't often get to sit down and talk to them. And so it's been really fun to do that. And I was talking to Dr. Reed. I'm like, I want to have a PE teacher on here. I want to talk about PE. I want to talk about coaching. And he's like, Oh my gosh, reach out to Randy Harpster. He's like one of the best. And I think talking to you has just, I mean, solidified that like you have such a legacy as a coach and a teacher and um it's awesome to hear just the the ways that you've cared for kids and motivated kids in the classroom and in a car driving and on the floor and on a golf course and all the things and so um just thanks for taking the time out of your day to do this and figure out all the technology things to be able to do this um it's been awesome that's uh, the part of my teaching is probably the worst right there. <laughs> See, technology, the kids, uh, the kids take care of me on technology. They, they take care of me in here. And my daughter has done a great job with me on that. And um, that technology. And I always tried to get kids away from technology when I taught PE. Yeah. You know, cause I think, I think it's, I think technology is a great tool. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't think it's an offense. I think you got it. You got to get out and, and you got to you got to s- smell the roses and you got to see the world and be a part of the world and 
be the video game rather than play the video game. <laughs> go out and do fun things and get out and be a part of the world.